listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Along with Kyrie, Giselle, and Joel, we're here until midnight. Then the Sports Center all night on 98.7 ESPN. How was your weekend? Hope it was fabulous. I tell you, the last dance was a, was an interesting documentary. And episodes nine and 10 were really, really interesting because I couldn't wait to figure out how they were going to decide whether it was the Michael Jordan, somebody in Utah poisoned MJ or he had the flu because during that time, when it actually happened back in 97, uh, that was the thought. The first word that came out was that, <laughs> that the jazz had him poisoned, <laughs> which we knew that wasn't the case. But yeah, he did suffer from food poisoning and his performance that night was just incredible. And for him to be able to, first of all, will his way through. And not really play that well, right? I mean, you know, as you saw it on on the documentary last night, he didn't really play that well until late. Then all of a sudden, something kicked in, and he's like, oh, no, we're not using this one. We're not losing it. And with all due respect to his teammates, and and he acknowledges that without Scotty, and even in game six, you could see he he was struggling without Scotty. With all the folks and and all the the role players who perform well and, and all those people, who made that team successful? You, you, you had to respect the drive, the willingness to win that Michael Jordan had. Here was a guy who had no issue putting a team on his back and taking them where they needed to go. And we talk a lot about players. We talk a lot about players and roles and what they do and. And, uh, can they, how do you learn how to win and all this stuff? How do guys perform in big moments? How do guys perform in the big spot? All that stuff. And throughout this documentary, all 10 episodes of The Last Dance, whether you, whether you like him, whether you say he's just a bully, whether you acknowledge he's a phenomenal player, whether you say he had a screw loose because he just had to invent certain things to keep him motivated, whatever you think about his personality, the one thing you come away with that you already knew was what a competitor he was. See, you already knew that coming in. What you found out was, man, he's a real competitor. And so you didn't really get just how much of a competitor he really was until you looked and saw the behind the scenes footage of this. The other thing that jumped out at me on this series and especially episodes nine and 10 last night were the mind games that coaches play and, you know, hearing Phil Jackson come up with the idea of Everybody, because it was their last moments together of everybody just weighing in about what it meant to be on that team, what it meant to win the championships, whatever they want to talk about. It was really fascinating. And to hear Steve, Steve Kerr's reaction of like Michael Jordan wrote a poem like we didn't think that was in him. And so there was another guy, right? 
there was another guy in there aside from the guy who yearned to be the best aside from the guy who pushed players to try to be better than what they thought they could be aside from the guy who was robbing people their opportunity to eat dinner because they didn't play well uh punching people and 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 just jumping on people's cases there was a sensitive side to this guy and you kind of saw that in that scenario i'm watching it and i'm saying man i i wish i wish phil could have been that creative when he was general manager of the knicks <laughs> i wish he could have done a little better could have come up with something else i got some draft choices you could burn up <laughs> i tell you that 1-800-919-3776 on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Here's our Twitter poll question tonight. If the Bulls return intact for one more run in 1999, what happens? Do they lose to the Pacers? Do they lose to the Knicks? Do they lose to the Spurs? Or do they win their seventh championship? At hardest the ESPN at ESPN NY ninety eight underscore seven FM. Or of course you can talk to us at one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Your thoughts on the last dance, your thoughts on the series as a whole, your thoughts on the documentary, your thoughts on Michael Jordan, your thoughts on Scottie Pippen, who I thought last night kind of uh ended on a positive note, talking about Jerry Krause, talking about the players he worked with, talked to he, he he did a nice job last night. I thought he kind of avenged himself. And listen, we talk about the migraine with him, we talk about him not coming in the game because the last shot wasn't made for him against the Knicks. But listen, when your back hurts, like his back was hurting, for him to even Give it a shot. Says a lot about Scottie Pippen. If compared to those other Scottie Pippins, this Scottie Pippen was like, it's too close. I can taste it. Whatever I can do, I'm going to try to do. Even made a couple of baskets out there. Made a couple of defensive plays. Made a steal or two. I mean, you've you got to give him credit. Because he showed up. And boy, did Michael Jordan need him. You know, uh, Ramona Shelburne was on the Hoops Collective podcast, and she does a phenomenal job with the NBA. And she had to come, she was asked, could the Bulls have brought everyone back for one more season? Here's what she had to say. I think what everybody wants to know from Reinsdorf, like, did this really have to be the last dance? Could you have done anything different to change things? Could you have fired Jerry? Could you have stepped in? Could you have gotten Phil and, and Kraus to back on the same page? Could you have paid Scottie Pippen? And he tried. He actually did. He went to Michael Jordan after the season and said, hey, Michael, you know, we've done this before. We, we, this is three in a row. I, I know what the team wants to defend the title. I, you know, everybody's a year older. I know this felt like the last dance and all that, but don't give me your answer right now. We're at the beginning of the lockout. Let me work on Phil. I don't know how long this is going to last. It could be months. It ended up being all the way into the next year. And let, let me just see if I can get Phil. And Michael said, okay, you know what? If you, if you can get Phil, I'm in. Well, obviously he wasn't going to get Phil because they lost Phil early. When Jerry Krause said 82 and 0, Phil's like, okay, I'm done. That's why he set it up as the last dance because coaches have that thought process, right? Coaches are always looking to focus your mind. Coaches are always looking to get the best out of you. Coaches are always looking to, to play games. <laughs> All right. To get you to try to do 
and focus on the moment and what this season was about. And for him, this season was it. He knew that he was done by the beginning of the season, even before. When Krause said he could go 82-0, and 0, you knew right away this was it. So even though Michael would have come back for a year, and even by his own admission, it would have been tough to get Scotty to come back for a year because Scotty was like, show me the money (laughs) right now. Show me the money. That's what I want to see. And that was going to be an issue. And then once again, and I point this out early in the documentary, that Kraus was almost like Belichick in the sense of, I'd rather end it too early than too late. Now, as it turns out, they haven't had that success since the last dance. But nevertheless, he's looking at the opportunity. He's like, look, these guys have been together for six championships. All right. Even Jordan took a year off, but they've been together for six championships. And the money was getting tight. Couldn't afford Steve Kerr. Uh, Rodman, they felt, was about done. They knew they were going to have to move move Scotty. Uh, Jordan had already talked to him about retiring, but once again, would have been talked out of it for one more run. And you heard him last night as he said, you know what? Uh, I think we, 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 we were owed the opportunity to have a seventh shot. We were owed the opportunity to be able to try to get that seventh championship and fourth in a row. And, you know, you wonder, you look at them, they had some age, uh, they had some injuries, obviously. So you wonder, would and mentally, would Michael have been able to will the team for another year? And with the changes that there would have been, would Michael have the patience to try to teach a new group of guys how to win? Because ultimately, when you think about it, that's what he did all the time he was a member of the Bulls. It was trying to teach these guys what it took to win, the mental aspect and the mental toughness it takes to win. Obviously, they all knew the physical aspect of it, but the mental toughness and the confidence that it takes to beat an opponent that wants to beat you badly because they want to make a name for themselves because they beat you. So that challenge, that's what made that team great, that they were all able to respond to it at different times. And no, there was there was Michael and there was Scotty and there were other people, but as long as everybody did their job, that's what made that Bulls team successful. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. 6.8% of you say lose to the Pacers. 15.4% of you say lose to the Spurs. 22.8% of you Knicks fans say lose to the Knicks. Just under 55% say they would have won their seventh championship. And I think a large part of it, I get to the phones in a second. I think a large part of that is because 
it's a 50, it, that was the 50, what, 50 game season. So they get to rest. Now the season is okay. The postseason though, because of the work stoppage, uh, might have been an issue. Cause it wasn't the, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, Monday, <laughs> Friday, Sunday, five <laughs> opening round series that you normally have right in the NBA where you play two games a week. And then, you know, you move to the finals and you play every other day. <laughs> so they, they stretch it out early and they pump it up late. So I think that helps them. Although it makes you wonder. And, and, and what jumps out to me is what would Rodman have done that season that would have driven them crazy? I mean, remember it's the postseason. Hey, decided let me go off and, uh, you know, hook up with the Hulkster, <laughs> you know, do a little new world order action. Hit somebody over here with a chair. Rodzilla. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what at that point, if they're back in 99, does that, is that when the balls is just like, okay, that's it. That's it. Not, not, not during the play. No, 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 not during the plus. We don't mind you taking some time off during the season, but not, 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 not the playoffs. No, 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 no. We can't do that. that that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. No, no. Back to the phones. Jan is in Yonkers. Hey, Jan, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, Larry. Can you hear me? Yes. Are you fine? Yes. Okay. Get ready. Because I am really, really upset. Not at you. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. We had a player, a champion by the name of Bill Russell. As a little girl growing up in the 60s, my brother and I used to watch the ABC Game of the Week on Sundays. Watch Bill Russell play with the Celtics. He won 11 championships. He was a prominent leader on his team. Okay? Mm-hmm. Also, of course, mm-hmm. and a player coach. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I've seen Michael Jordan. Yes, we all have seen Michael Jordan. But let me tell you something. In my opinion, I would take Bill Russell any day of the week and also... Not to mention what he had to encounter and the type of adversity he had to encounter when he first came into the league playing for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And thank you for taking my call. Have a good night. All right, Jan. Thanks for checking in. Listen, nobody will dispute that when we talk about great winners in sports, Bill Russell comes to mind. Yogi Bear is another person that comes to mind when you talk about great winners in sports. Bill Russell was a tremendous winner. As you mentioned, 11 rings. Also won a championship as a player coach in a league where the Celtics dominated, dominated. Um, Will Chamberlain with Philly couldn't beat them. There were a number of teams who tried to beat them, couldn't do it. Lakers tried to do it, couldn't do it. So uh, there's no question that he is the greatest winner as far. And you would might want to start a team with him even today because of his ability. He was at six, eight. 6'9", could get up and down the floor. Great leaping ability. Great rebounder. And once again, it's that age-old discussion that we have of trying to place different players in different eras and trying to go back and forth and back and forth with them. And he is, there's always, in my opinion, there's always, 
an elite number of athletes that kind of transcend eras. Okay. Was he the scorer that the big men are today? No. He was a guy that, and I saw him in his later years, but he was a guy who was, you know, excellent on the boards, made his teammates better, got every rebound, blocked shots. And, and everybody talks about, and I remember this from listening and watching games with him forever. Never blocked the ball out of bounds, always kept the ball in play because the bottom line was get the fast break going because Boston lived by the fast break. That was their identity. Push the basketball, great ball handling, push the basketball, beat you down court, get more opportunities at the shot than you do. All right. They were, <laughs> they were the kind of the seven, eight second team before Mike D'Antoni did it in Phoenix because they just pushed the basketball. I remember Oscar Robertson when he was doing color as an analyst talking about here comes the green wave and because they just rushed the ball down the court. So Jan, you're right. There's no question about Bill Russell. And yeah, when you add in that era, and some of the things he had to endure. And I remember talking to him, and he was very passionate. And you can see that it still hurt him about some of the some of the names he was called, some of the things that were done to him, some of the things, how his home was personally invaded. So there's no question that he went through things and persevered during that time when America was not a great place for African-Americans. And it's unusual because usually people may not like the person, but they root for the color of the uniform, right? So even though he was a Celtic, there were still people who didn't want to root for the color of the uniform. They just didn't like him. And so it's it's a unique situation. It's a tough situation. But, uh, you know, we all respect Bill Russell, and that's why uh, the MVP is named after him in the finals. It's now the Bill Russell MVP award because of the fact of how great he was and what he meant to the National Basketball Association. Sal's in Brooklyn. Hey, Sal, you're next on 98.7. Larry, good evening. How are you, my good man? Doing great, Sal. What's happening, partner? Listen, you just pulled out a fundamental block. They shot, keep it in bounds for the fast break where today they play for that highlight on ESPN to put it in the upper deck. <laughs> so block shot, man. What are you going to do? That's just the way these kids want to play today. But it's yeah. not, I'm not hating. It's okay. It's all good. It's just different. Uh, it's just different. It's just different. That's all. Accept it. That's the whole key. It's just different. Yep. And, and I swear to God, maybe it's just me, but even that Nick team will give that Chicago Bull team, you know, the, 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 the Bush, you know, the, the Clyde, the Willis Reed team, they would have gave them a game. Absolute Lakers Showtime would have gave these Bulls a game, and the Celtics would have gave them a game. So they wouldn't have been as six in eight years. You know, they would have got their chips. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I don't know. There, there were other teams out there that would have gave them a nice fight as well. They would have uh, had to work a little harder, you're saying, Sal. I, I, I do believe that. And, mm-hmm. and they probably got their three. They did need that break. And uh, Indy probably was the team. You know, it's like they were on the cusp, and they would do. You know, sometimes when you just do. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I thought maybe Indy was going to get that team. Can I get something quick off on football for 30 seconds? Sure, time? go ahead, Sal. Go ahead. You know, everybody was hating on Gettleman, and I'm not a Gettleman fan by any mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. On that pick, oh, they should have saw the red flags. Well, what about the – can you say the same thing for the GM in Buffalo now, a year after you make the pick? For everybody to cry a year after the pick with the red flags, the kid did nothing, he showed up, he never missed a practice, the veterans weren't complaining about him. But yet a year later, oh, everybody and their mother said there was a red flag on this kid and we shouldn't have taken him. You know, if it was the same year, I get it. But a year later, come on, man. 
Come on. The kid just yeah. ran into something stupid. He's not – he don't have it between the ears. But, that, you know, I, I just – it's not Gettleman's fault. But I'm not a fan of his. But I just can't let, you know, say uh, he should have known. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what's going to happen a year from now. That's all I'm saying, man. Yeah, it's always a pleasure listening to you, my brother. Have a great Same night. Same here, Sal. Good talking to you again. It, 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 it's fascinating because in this scenario, I mean, who would have thought that – can you imagine? Gellerman wakes up or gets the phone call. Uh, one of your players is involved with the – has been – there's allegation that he went – held up people at a party at gunpoint, right? And took jewelry and stuff. He's a what? What? Who what? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting that phone call? And yeah, you know, you try to look. And here's the thing. You try to look for answers, right? Didn't you know? Was there something you've seen? Uh, how, how could this happen? How do you end up picking somebody like this? What's going on? All this stuff. And sometimes it's just, you know what? I didn't, we didn't know. We knew that there were issues. We didn't know there were that kind of issues because guess what? Duh. If we knew it was like that, we would not have taken him. It would have shown up. Can you, can, do you realize the amount of investigation, the amount of resources and scouting and, and interviews and depth, in-depth stuff that these teams when they're interested in draft choices, what they look to find out about these kids before they draft them. I mean, you can't, and in this day and age where, where if somebody's walking down the street and you, and you're watching your news on whatever, you know, vehicle you're watching, be it TV, be it smartphone, be it laptop, be it iPad, whatever. And you're looking and you're seeing, they said, well, police need your help finding this man. And you watch him actually walking down the street. So with that type of intel, okay, that we just see normally and the National Football League, these these sports leagues have former people in security who work used to work for the FBI who who are major players who have all types of ways for you to find out information about people and background information. So I would be surprised if the Giants had any idea that this kid was capable of doing anything, allegedly, what he's been accused of. They had no idea. Otherwise, I guarantee you, they would not have taken him. They wouldn't have. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to train Brooklyn. Texas. He's next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Trey. What's up, Larry? How you doing? How was your weekend? <laughs> it's oh, over, that good, Larry. huh? That's good, it's huh? It's over, Larry. No, it's over now, so that's good. It's all over oh, okay. now. Okay. All right. It's over now. Now we can put some Neosporin back on the damn wound that we thought healed 20 years ago, Larry. It's ridiculous. I but, we got, but we have better things to do, Larry. So you ready to go to work? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Let's take you to Ridgewood, New Jersey. That is the site 
of the Valley Hospital in Ridgewood, who on Friday released their 800th COVID-19 patient. Yep, their 800th COVID-19 patient was discharged on Friday. So we take our hats off and we would love to line up like like they're doing in the hospitals, Trey, with all the people in there applauding and filming and doing that stuff. That's what they deserve. And so this is our way of doing that. We'll give you a little clap out, okay, which you normally give the the, the, the patients that leave. We'll give you a little clap out uh, for all the nurses and doctors and orderlies and maintenance people and custodial crew and cooks and everybody, everybody, ambulance uh, drivers and attendants, everybody who has any little thing to do with what makes a hospital work. We thank you for what the great work you're doing, and especially at Valley Hospital in Ridgewood. I second that. Plus, Larry, if we were to do it physically, I would get be way too extra. I'd be chest bumping people and screaming less. No, 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 you would no you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, because you Larry, know thinking, about Larry, social distancing. Lineup, Larry. You know about social distancing. You wouldn't do it. You you you'd be tempted, but you would say, you know I what? Be, I I would let be tempted, behave. Larry. Let me you know behave. I'm actually behave. <laughs> super super extra sometimes. <laughs> all right, so we <laughs> We all have our moments. Gonna, yes we do. Yes we do. <laughs> All right, so tonight we're going to be bigging up Southside Hospital in Bayshore. Nice. Excellent. We're going to be bigging up. Yeah, we're going to be taking care of them tonight. We love those guys out there, all the ladies, all the gentlemen out there that's putting their lives on the line for us daily, weekend, week out for going going on damn near three months now. Mm. And the work that they've done out there is exemplary, and I think they, they should be just honored tonight. Just want to put our arms around them and wrap them up and say we love y'all. Thank y'all for everything that y'all continue to do. Again, putting y'all lives on the line so we can talk about Michael Jordan. <laughs> among other things. Among other things. Among, um, and among other things. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, it, you know what? Last night didn't have a lot to do with us, so I was all for it last night. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Even though they tried to needle us with the damn trivia during yeah, the middle. Patrick How Jordan. many? Oh, man. They, it's, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was a Michael Jordan production. You know. Yeah, and, was, and, was, and to be fair, and, and to let you know, somebody on on the staff tonight with me texted me to remind me that they did that. I'm not going to name names. Yeah, but you know what? But you know what, though? I, and I know that person, and I love that person. But I and I was going to get a text, but it, it's cool. I can I can deal with it. We good now, you know. Yeah, you know, we like right. I said, I had Neosporin last night. Put it on the wound is good. We're gonna be all right. Yeah, we're you know, good. but it. But but I will tell you this: one, a couple of things that got at me. Uh, the Steve Kerr segment was amazing. It was. It was excellent. That was amazingly put together. That was. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Yeah. Um. And it, and it, and it honored his father. You yes, know what I'm saying? Exactly. Which was awesome. Which exactly. was awesome. Um, exactly. And another. And kind of makes, re- makes you want to do a thirty on thirty for him. I think he. I think he deserves one. It kind of makes you, I you know, it, for what he's been I'm able to do. A championship coach, championship player. You know, kind of yep. makes you, you know, the front office guy. Kind of makes you, you know, a little more yeah, interested in what might, he's done. Might, might be in line for one. Yeah, yep. But the thing that the thing that unnerved me a little bit. The only thing that I only little you know thing that I keep hearing from you know certain players, and then I heard it from Michael's lips. I didn't like this whole that the the Pacers were his biggest challenge. And Jalen spoke so highly of them, but I'm like, is that the same? That's the same team that got beat 
by my squad 365 days later mm-hmm. in, in right. six games. Yes. So, you know, the Davis boys and the Duncan Dutchman and Mark Jackson, you know, my favorite point guard of all time. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> y'all lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> y'all lost yeah. in six games. Y'all yes. lost. So yeah. if we want to do the math right, then maybe we'll be, we would have been playing the Bulls. But really what this all goes back to for me, Larry, I ain't going gonna, gonna to lie to you, man. It just really hurts. It really that that documentary just showed me that we could have had our chance in '97 to get them boys, man. Had that whole you know the heat thing, man. Because yeah, oh, well, here's Larry, what it shows that, you, Trey. That, that, yeah, that, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Here, it, 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 don't get me started on Tim Hardaway yeah, Jr. We ain't gonna do it. Uh, but but um, <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's what it really shows you. It shows you what Scottie Pippen said last night about mm-hmm. Jerry Krause being a heck of a GM. And what he it shows you is absolutely, yes, sir. It shows you that you know what you Patrick Ewing needed help. Yeah, and they never yep. figured out how to get him help. It's nope. like we got Patrick Ewing, and that's all we need. No, he needed somebody no. else. He needed somebody yep. else. And listen, Charles Oakley was great in the role that he had, but he was not the scorer that Patrick needed alongside. Imagine, him. you know what I was thinking, Larry? Imagine a Carmelo in his prime or helping yes. helping Patrick out. Imagine yes. a hell. Imagine a Allen Houston. Imagine yes. Allen Houston four years before we got him. Four or five yeah. years before we got him. You know what see, I mean? See, that's why it was so hey. interesting for me, Trey, to add into the, the Twitter poll question tonight. This 99 Nick team, and I said, you know, if you had these guys, LJ, Houston, yeah. Child, yeah. uh, Sprewell, yeah. with Marcus Camby, would they have been able to out finesse? Was it, was it now since the, since the Bulls were older? And with Rodman, was it was it a way now to not out fin- was it a way to out finesse them instead of beating them up? And it would have been interesting I, to see how that if Patrick could have played, it would have been interesting yeah. to see if they come back how that would have worked out. But he was never the same after Andrew Lang messed up his his wrist. I think the best thing that ever happened to the to the Bulls in '98 was that it ended in '98 because I think yeah. come '99, I think that people would have been fed up with Michael by then, and mm-hmm. they would have been like, "Man, I ain't gonna let this old dude beat me." And yeah. I felt what Jalen said this morning on Get Up. He was like, "Man, I'm seeing Michael Jordan after the game, his gut hanging out with a baseball bat over his shoulder. Like, man, we could have beat them dudes." It's yeah. like when you think about it now, it's like, man, you know, that I'm telling you, there's certain bounces in certain games, man, that just don't go your way, mm-hmm. and those are the telling things. And he was the master of those. He yeah. killed everybody by scoring a lot of points. But yeah. you know, you go back to the double nickel. It wasn't the day. It wasn't the double nickel. It was the fact that we all collapsed on him and Bill Winnington yes. was open under the goal. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's those little critical moments, and the way he sees those moments, man. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I give I give the devil his due on that, Larry. I yeah. can't even be mad. You know, he won those championships, and so he can act that way. But yes. I think it, I think it came with a cost, Larry. I think yeah. it came with a cost yeah. for him. Because at the he, end, he's just sitting there with a cigar, man. He ain't got no friends. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Thanks for the phone call, Trey. And unfortunately for Jalen, his stomach wasn't hanging out when he was on the court. <laughs> it may have been hanging out with a baseball bat after the game. But during the game, his stomach wasn't hanging out because y'all couldn't do nothing with him. Nothing. Because in key moments, he knew how to rise to the occasion. And he became more trustworthy and confident that his teammates could help him. And so as he got older, he picked his spots.
I mean, I could remember him getting everybody involved in the first quarter, first half of games, and then taking over late as he got older. That's what he did. He learned to make it. The one thing you have to say and give him credit is he learned to make adjustments and he learned to pick his spots as to when he needed, when you needed a major basket, when he needed to score, when he needed to make a play, even if he drove the defense to him and switched and passed the ball off to Scotty or Steve Kerr or Judd Bushler or whomever, John Paxson, Scotty, he knew what play to make, even when people were on him. And his intelligence to wait. You go back to uh, Zach Levine had a post on Twitter because uh, NBA TV replayed game six of the uh, 98 finals where he made the steal from Carmelo, what Bob Costas called the greatest two minutes in sports history that he witnessed. And to watch that time period where he knew what was coming and he just waited for Malone. Malone, he knew what Malone was going to do. Didn't go through with the screen all the way through. Didn't follow the guy. Just came back, took the steal, went down the court, hit the basket. That's what he did. And he did it numerous times in numerous different ways. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 